So, those are the first three. We can go a little bit faster from here. James Madison is also from Virginia. He is known as the father of the Constitution. He was uh, Jefferson's right-hand man, and he becomes the obvious next president. Um, James Madison was the shortest president that we had. I think he was like four foot 11. Um, and he was always very sick throughout his life. But he was a genius. He, he was the guy who showed up at the Constitutional Convention with a plan, the Virginia plan, that kind of set the boundaries for the debate for the future of um, the country. And his advice to people who are in politics, which I would pass on to anyone out there, is have a plan. <laughs> when you show up and you have a plan already, people will, you know, will follow it and go off of it. But of course, Madison has this interesting evolution because he shows that the plan that he brought was basically, oh my God, the Articles of Confederation are way too weak. We need a way stronger central government. But then basically from John Adams being this vindictive figure who went after Jefferson and went after Madison, he starts to change his mind about government. And he goes from being the person who's advocating for the strongest possible, maybe not the strongest possible, but a very strong central government to someone who's very skeptical of the power of government. Um, by the time he gets into office, the Democratic Republicans are basically not being challenged in any serious way. Um, and the France and Britain issue has... It, it, the, the Embargo Act eventually just got repealed because it was such a mess. And, and there's, they repealed it in pieces. But by the end, um, the tensions with both Britain and France are pretty serious. And under Madison, they, they start to boil over over this issue of impressment. The impressment of seamen, which my 10th uh, grade American history teacher always used to laugh and tell us Miss Underwood. But uh, what impressment is, is basically kidnapping people who um, you want to join the Navy. And the British Navy was basically made up of like poor people that they like took off the streets of Britain. And you can also view uh, the founding of America as this whole just attempt by the wealthy in Britain to get poor people out of their way. Um, but by this time, there's also a lot of these people who don't like being in the Navy and are willing to run away and join the United States. And when they get a chance to do so, they do. That makes a confusing situation in which Britain is sometimes trying to like track down basically escaped soldiers and then pull them back into service. But it's hard to tell. We don't have like ID cards. And also they're just used to grabbing people anyway. And so they just start grabbing tons of people and making them um, British sailors. And that includes American citizens, right? Now, um, this all is happening within a context of like Britain looks at the United States and I don't think they, they really thought this is going to last forever. <laughs> and uh, it's cool to tell the story of the Madison time period from the Canadian perspective for a second because the Can Canadians are like the people who chose not to leave. And just north of the border, there's a lot of people who fled during the Revolutionary War because they sided with the British. Um, there are a whole group of people who are doubting the idea of democracy as like a good form of government. And boy, take a look at some of the stuff that's been happening down there south of the border. They have some good arguments for that. And there's also a lot of questions over disputes over territory um, there. And it's tied into this question of citizenship because um, 
if you think about that impressment store, you know, issue, part of that is about, do you get to choose to leave a country or not? It's almost like every single person who runs away from Britain to join the United States is ha doing their own little American revolution, their own little declaration of independence. Because if you're a subject of the British crown, that's not something that you choose. That's something that you are. And if you're a subject of the British crown who's in the Royal Navy and you try to leave, you don't get to just choose to leave, right? Whereas the idea of citizenship, um, which a Republican government like the United States is, is based on, says that's something ultimately that you get to pick. Um, and the debate over what those things um, mean is part of what turns into the next big war that happens under James Madison, which is the War of 1812. And everybody ignores the War of 1812 because it's not as exciting, it seems. Um, but I also think the reason we ignore it is because the version that we tell of it, we don't want to tell the real version because it doesn't make us look that good. The version we usually tell is like, oh, they were kidnapping our seamen, and then we, uh, then they got really mad, and Britain came back and like tried to take over, and they burned down the White House, and luckily Andrew Jackson stopped them somehow. That's like the version of the War of 1812, which is just not that exciting of a story. Here's the real story. We tried to take over Canada. We invaded Canada, and we thought, let's take this land, and let's finish this revolution. And there's a whole version of the story that's called the Civil War of 1812 that basically says the War of 1812 is between two groups of people who still saw themselves as basically the same. They didn't see themselves as the country of Canada. That's just the part of the United States that we haven't taken over yet. And we invade Canada and lose, kind of surprisingly. Um, and then Britain comes back and, and is kind of trying to fight that off. And it's, um, it's also a, a war where Native Americans play a really big role because there's a lot of Native Americans who um, really side with the British because they have not been as intense about trying to take over all of this land. But there are also then Native American tribes who side with the Americans, sometimes because their rival Native American tribes were on the other side. And in the middle of this is James Madison, who is not a, a big warmonger himself, um, but who sympathizes probably more with the French than with the British. And I think that leads to him, you know, helping push this, this war forward. Um, now, the Federalists are really against this war. And that's because they still are kind of British sympathizing, sort of more monarchical people. These are like the Hamiltonians. And so they don't like these French rebellious like warlike group, and they actually get together in Connecticut in the middle of the War of 1812 uh, in what's called the Hartford, Hartford Conference, and they talk very seriously about New England leaving the United States. And it doesn't work out, in part because uh, Britain ends up losing the war, uh, and there's the reasons for that, in part, are just about getting tied up in other conflicts in other places. There's also a uh, victory by Andrew Jackson, who is this bloody anti-Indian general who's out there in New Orleans and actually ends up defeating the Brit British when they've already signed a treaty. But um, the war ends up ending. We don't succeed in taking over Canada, but the White House was burned to the ground. James Madison and his wife fled, and famously his wife, Dolly Madison, they got a bunch of important documents out of there um, before they burned. Um, but it discredits the Federalist Party in a pretty serious way because they suggested leaving in the middle of a war that we ended up winning.